this is Grady Summers. I'm FireEye's Chief Technology Officer, and I'm the host for the FireEye Ion Security Podcast. Today for the podcast, we're joined by Marshall Heilman. Marshall is our Vice President for Mandiant Consulting in the West. He also is Executive Director for our Incident Response and Red Team Operations, meaning he's responsible for how we conduct incident response and our Red Team service globally. So Marshall, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Grady. So Marshall, you've had a long and storied history at Mandiant. Uh, I knew you actually from Incident Responses before I even joined the company. Can you talk about your background and how you ended up here? Sure. So I joined Mandiant almost 10 years ago. I was originally in the Marine Corps, and I focused on penetration testing and red teaming. That, that was my background. And then after coming to Mandiant, I discovered this wonderful world of incident response. And so I kind of switched and started doing incident response. And then recently, I decided to go back to my roots and get involved with red team again as a witness from the recent red team launch at the company. Yeah, so you mentioned that red team launch, and it's interesting because, as you said, this was something you were doing at the Marine Corps, you know, over a decade ago. But a new offering for us. Can you talk about what it is? Sure. So we saw that uh, what I would argue is penetration testing and vulnerability assessments really get commoditized in the industry, and we wanted to put something together that added a little more value for our clients. So when we do a red team operation, what we are really doing is a no holds barred assessment, whereby we're emulating an attacker in our clients' environments to accomplish some kind type of goals. So like, let's say we're talking to someone in the healthcare industry. They're probably really worried about their patient records. And so one of their most critical things is to make certain that an attacker cannot break in and steal their critical res- records. So when we do a red team operation against them, our primary objective is to break in from the internet, just like an attacker would, to emulate a certain attack group, and then to steal those records to prove whether it can or cannot be done, and whether the company can detect what we're doing or not. So... I mean, every security consulting company in the world does penetration testing. Why is this fundamentally different? Is it just a new name on on an old service? It's not because rather than breaking into an environment and trying to see what we can do, just kind of run around an environment and show, hey, we can get domain admin creds. You know, everyone can do that nowadays, right? It's more figuring out what's important to the organization and trying to do those specific things only while at the same time trying to see whether the organization can detect us or not. Uh, The other thing is, and I know we'll get to this a little bit later, but we really take an intelligence-driven approach. Uh, It's whereby we're able to leverage some of the intelligence that we get as a company to really drive the way that we do this type of work. You know, I think I see so many organizations, I feel like they're wasting money on penetration tests because it's just about, hey, hire an expert, see if they can break in. And that expert finds, you know, a single missing patch on hundreds of external facing web servers and they're in. And it doesn't teach the the company a whole lot about like how they really withstand a real world attack. Yeah, and, and to be fair, a little bit fair to all the uh, the really good penetration testers out there, it depends on what the company is looking for. Yeah. Some companies really want to know just is it possible for you to break into my organization, in which case what I would consider a penetration test is absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, what I'm trying to do is evolve that and make it so that our clients get a little bit more value out of the work that's being performed so they know the stuff that really is important to them. They know whether those assets are secure or not. So how does that team determine their approach for an engagement? Like what do they start out by doing? So we'll sit down and we talk to the client. We'll have them explain to us what they're most concerned about. Is it denial of service attack? Is it theft of records? Is it manipulation of financial data? Whatever it is. In a lot of cases, companies can't even articulate three to five things that they would consider their most critical assets because mm-hmm. when you start talking critical, everything becomes important to the organization. Yeah. So we spend some time trying to figure out what is most critical to them and then, then we try and design a, an approach to try and go about accomplishing those objectives. 
So, for example, if it's if it's a denial of service attack against a specific type of manufacturing device, we would approach that engagement a little bit differently than if it's just gain domain admin credentials and gain access to a segmented environment. Okay, makes sense. So, is there anything that we do in our service that you'd say really differentiates us from others? <clears throat> Absolutely. As I said beforehand, we leverage intelligence. We have a really uh, intelligence-driven approach. So, what we do is because of our instant response practice, we're able to see the uh, the most egregious attacks that are going on right now, and because because we recently purchased iSight, we're able to get the victimology side of intelligence. And so we're able to really get a full picture of how attackers are operating out there. So when we come into an environment, we can emulate a specific type of threat actor using that intelligence, if that's what the organization wants. Hmm. But the really cool part is we can take the, the latest and greatest, coolest techniques and attacks and tools and, and such, and then tweak them and make them better. So we can look at what the attacker did and use that as our starting point, And then we simply make what they did a little bit better. And that's what we use on our red teaming. Okay. So that's how we use eyesight. You know, you, you mentioned that we acquired eyesight back in January. Um, that's how they impact our red team. Do you see, you know, is eyesight benefiting us in the incident responses or the compromise assessments we do? Oh, absolutely. So historically as a company, we've really focused on victimology, understanding what happens after an organization has been breached and seeing what the attacker is doing from that perspective. But we hadn't, or what we hadn't really focused on is what the attackers were doing with the information that they had stolen or after the facts so were able to see, or, or I should say better understand understand how these attack groups operate and how they share information among one another, uh, where they're actually trading their, their data and things like that. In some cases, we've even been able to take some of the data that we believe has been stolen and see whether it's being actively traded on the underground or not, all of which gives us more intelligence to help us better detect and go after these types of attackers. Cool. So really like kind of closed loop for the customer, not just here's what we saw happen on, on, on your site, but here's what, what, what we believe happened after the breach or before the breach. Absolutely. It's more so like cool. a full fidelity, full fidelity visibility now. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like the red teams help are, are a way for a company to really lean forward and get um, very prepared. We also talk a lot about hunting. So if we were to kind of parse those two terms, what's the difference between proactive preparedness and actually at hunting? The way I look at it is proactive preparedness is understanding your security posture. So knowing where your critical assets are and knowing how well or how unwell they are protected. So that way, if you are compromised, you, you basically know what to expect. You know how you're going to detect the attacker and you know where your weaknesses are. Whereas proactive hunting is actually looking for an attacker in your environment. So combing through your logs and things like that and accepting the fact that maybe your security technology did not work the way that you expected it to. And someone was able to bypass it all and they're already in your environment and going to see if you can find those little breadcrumbs that the attacker has left. Okay. So, you know, Marshall, I think uh, about your career at Mandy, you've probably been involved in more incident responses uh, than anyone in the company or certainly right up there. Um, given all that experience, what are some of the security weaknesses that you see most often? So, Absolutely, bar none, hands down, the biggest weakness I see is around authentication. I just I think that as a security community, we don't necessarily focus on it enough. Every breach I've ever been involved in has leveraged authentication to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about the uh, the attack lifecycle, when an attacker first breaks into an organization, one of the very first things he's going to do is try and elevate his credentials, whether it's root access, local administrator access, you know, the holy grail domain access, uh, whatever it is. An attacker is going to try and change the context of the account he's operating under. That's authentication. And so we see companies uh, try and focus on single sign-on and multi-factor solutions and all these other things to deal with authentication. And those are great. But then where we see companies not quite go far enough are if you've, to take an example with two-factor authentication, if an attacker can gain access to credentials that allow them to interact with the management console for that two-factor authentication, he can disable it for certain accounts. All right. So even in that particular case, it's still an authentication problem at the end of the day. Right. What I don't really see are attackers running around and exploiting a vulnerability on every single system that they're interested in, literally moving to. 
Yeah. That's just inefficient, and that would get them caught. Yeah. So what are the best companies doing to address that? So the best companies are taking a multi-layered approach to security, which we all know is security 101. We've heard that beforehand, the defense and depth approaches and things like that. Uh, But what they're doing on top of that is they're actually testing what they've implemented. So let's say that you've implemented a multi-factor authentication solution. That's great. But how do you know how well it's working, right? You want to have a red team or someone like that come in and try and break that particular authentication mechanism and try and get around all your methods for detection to see whether what you've implemented is as good as you think it is. I like to say, you know, does your implementation match your intent? Yeah, right. What about privilege access management tools? Do they help in here? They absolutely do. Again, that's part of that multi-layered approach. Uh, I've been involved in multiple red team engagements where we've gotten around it. Uh But just because you can get around that one particular thing does not mean that something else is not in place to detect that usage. So, for example, uh, let's say that a red team is able to get around your um, privilege access management solution, whatever it may be. I've seen some organizations set up set up their system so that an email is sent out to each administrator every single day showing yeah. what, what their account was doing, basically. You know, and the astute administrator is going to look at that and say, well, I didn't log into that particular system today. There's a problem here. And the moment you have an anomalous event like that, you've probably caught an attacker. And that doesn't have to be expensive. I remember actually one of the consultants on your team telling me about the client who did that. I think they just did some basic scripting. on, on uh, They took their AD logs. They, they wrote a script that would go ahead and send that email to all the administrators. They didn't have to buy an expensive tool for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was simply an administrator that was creative, had a problem that he wanted to solve. Cool. Given uh, these weaknesses that we talked about, what's your recommendation to companies? How should they approach uh, security operational readiness and get ready for that inevitable attack? So I think I look at the world a little bit differently than others because the only time I'm ever involved with a client is usually when they're going through a major breach or when they want us to hack them. So my viewpoint is definitely a little bit biased. Uh, But the recommendations I would give to companies are to figure out what your most critical assets are. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, lots of companies will come up and say almost everything they do is critical. And and to some extent, that's true. But figure out the three to five things that are most important to your organization and figure out how it is you want to protect them and then test the protection mechanisms you put in place so you actually understand the reality of your security posture. At that point in time, you can pretty much guarantee that if an attacker breaks into your environment and he gains access to those critical assets, you're going to know about it because you've tested it over and over again and you know what you have in place. Great. Well, Marshall, thanks very much for taking the time to talk with us today. Really interesting stuff. Thanks, Brady. It was a pleasure to be here.